Good morning. Welcome, you brave and hearty souls. First Sunday of Advent, hooray. Oh, I'm supposed to give you these announcements. One, there are still name tags on the community uh, tree. You can get them after the service. Two, you're supposed to pass those registers. And three, thank you again for your generosity. You are such a generous church, and we greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. First Sunday of Advent. Usually that's the pastor's busy season, but for me, following our um, Imagine, where we're still in the Imagine Generosity season, and that'll go till January 9th, and then we'll have a big party on January 9th that Sunday as we celebrate all that God has done. But through all of that, and last week's 100th anniversary, it's like I get to go, whoo, it's Advent, hooray, you know, I can take it easy. I know it's Advent because I'm wearing my purple shirt. I only wear this shirt, except on the first Sunday of Advent. And so purple is the color of Advent. It's not red and green, it's purple. And so I wear my purple shirt on the first Sunday of Advent, and here we are. Don't you love the setup? Thank you for, to our facility crew and to Jordan up there. They've worked hard all week, even though it was a short week. And so glad for all of that. I don't know what it's like at your house when you get to this part of the Christmas season. At our house, it's Christmas wish list season. And so Carla tells our boys that they need to have their Christmas wish list in. Ben hasn't changed since the fourth grade. He said to us, you know, he's 25, and he said to us, uh, 26, he said to us, you know, how much do I get to spend? That was his first question when we asked him about Christmas wish list. And, and Carla, you know, she, gets, uh, she starts a list. The way Carla does... Uh, my the Christmas shopping because I if I pick out a, a sweater for her it'll be the wrong color if I p- pick out perfume for her it's the wrong color or the wrong smell or whatever and so often you know she'll say oh by the way I, I picked up this or that at Macy's and you can wrap it up and put it under the tree I don't even know what it is I'm more surprised than she is when she opens up her Christmas gifts <sighs> you know God's word has gifts that God gives to us as strange as that may seem. Um, In 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans 12, both there's a list of gifts from the Holy Spirit given to us. Gifts like uh, love and hospitality and wisdom. You'd like that to be wrapped. I wish everyone could have that wrapped up underneath their tree. Our world needs a little bit more love and hospitality and wisdom. But one one of the items on both lists, the lists aren't exactly the same, one of the items on both lists is the gift of prophecy. There in in Romans 12, it says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Would you want that gift wrapped up and placed on your tree, the gift of prophecy? Before you answer that, let me remind you, we're in this season. uh, Our our Advent series is called Christmas Playlist, as you just saw. And I don't know if you have a Christmas playlist on your phone or whatever. I do. I don't know if I should share with you what all is on my Christmas playlist. I have Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Have you ever been to a Trans-Siberian Orchestra performance? If you like loud music and fire, then that's the the show for you. Um, Carla and I have been a few times to that. I also have B.B. King because, I don't know, I just like B.B. King. Carla's not a huge fan, so when it comes on, she clicks it off. But, I, you know, it's not Christmas until B.B. sings, you know, I'll Be Home for Christmas. I have A White Christmas. That's supposed to be the number one song of everyone, the number one carol, Bing Crosby, of course, or maybe Peggy Lee, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Well, our, our song for today is when we sang, uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. That doesn't have the same uh, energy of Trans-Siberian Orchestra. That doesn't have the same uh, 
vibe as rocking around the Christmas tree. In fact, in fact, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, it's almost a dirge. We sang it a little faster. It's almost a funeral song. It's sad. And usually that's the song we sing on the first Sunday of Advent, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, because we're anticipating. And I think in the Christmas season, we want to rush to, you know, baby Jesus and shepherds and wise men and gold and frankincense and myrrh. But I think, I think, I think we need to begin first back with the reality. Biblical prophecy was not so much, you know, telling what's going to happen in the future. Biblical prophecy was more preaching to the present, seeing where the direction was going and where, where the future was heading and preaching to the present. It was more of a biblical prophecy, it was more of a present tense of this is what's going to happen because this is where you're leading. And, and, and then in the midst of that, proclaiming, thus saith the Lord. Now, when you say, thus saith the Lord, you, you, you can't just, you know, wimp that out. It's, it's, thus saith the Lord. This is from the Lord. And when you're saying that, when saying, thus saith the Lord, to a people that don't always want to hear it, to a people who are, are struggling through life and, and, and turning their back, that, that, that can sometimes be a tricky thing. So the biblical prophets speaking to a people who, sometimes to a person, sometimes to a community, sometimes, many times, most times, to the whole nation, saying, thus saith the Lord. I have a friend who, he's in heaven now, but he was pastoring in California, and uh, he felt God spoke to him and told him that there was going to be an earthquake. Now you think, well, that's not much of a prophecy. <laughs> You're living in California and, you know, telling the people there's going to be an earthquake. Be like me telling you that it's going to snow this winter. But, but he did. He, he, he went forth and told his folks there's going to be an earthquake. He's not a crackpot. He wasn't a, a you know, he wasn't a, a, a nutcase or anything. But he really believed that, that God told him that. And, and that earthquake never came, you know, he passed away from cancer, not from falling into the Pacific Ocean. And I think, well, was that was that really from God, or was that you know bad pizza? How, you know, did he get his wires crossed? I know this: people came to the Lord during that time in his church, and people kind of rallied together, and the community was was maybe stronger during that. Was that from the Lord? I don't know. It's hard to evaluate. I guess there was never an earthquake, not the huge, massive earthquake type. It's tough. I guess my point, it's tough being a prophet. It's tough, it's tough uh, speaking it. It's tough for sometimes the listeners. So why would God bless us? Because that's what, you know, in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, it's a gift of the Holy... Why would God bless us, quote-unquote, with the gift of the Holy Spirit and prophecy? Well, I think, I think the same reason God gives all gifts. You know, I don't have the gift of music like Nate... Um, you know, and from time to time, I bust forth in song in a sermon. And I have a friend that watches online. Thank you, online viewers. I, I, I have a friend that watches online. And whenever I, I burst forth in a song in a sermon, I can guarantee, he sends me a text saying, do not sing in your sermons. <laughs> Every time. So I know I don't have that gift. God gives all of us different gifts, right? And all of them, all of them are to express, to glorify him through the use, through the, through the exercise of that gift. So that's true with the gift of prophecy as well. But it wasn't easy. You know, we think, okay, I'm not going to get a gift. If you're going to get a Christmas gift, you think, okay, that's going to make my life easier. It's going to make my life better. I'm getting this gift. 
But for the Old Testament prophets, it wasn't always easy. And it's sometimes very, very difficult. See, the prophetic word uh, from the Old Testament prophets was either a word of encouragement, usually followed by the words, you know, fear not. Word of encouragement, you're, you're worried, fear not, fear not, fear not. Or a somber warning, woe to you. Now, of course, we all want the fear not ones. We all want the encouraging words of prophecy. But frequently, the Old Testament, they were saying, woe to you. And they were saying, woe to you, because the people had turned their back on God over and over again. If you know your Old Testament, you know that's true. They had forgotten the things that God valued, uh, uh, areas of justice, caring for the orphans and the widows, caring for, for, for those around them. They were kind of going through the motions in their worship. And so prophet after prophet was coming along saying, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. But the people weren't listening. And they tried everything to get the people to listen. You know, uh, 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 Daniel saw writing on the wall, and Ezekiel wrote, ate a scroll, and, and Jeremiah walked around Jerusalem with, a, with a, a thing around his neck, you know, a harness around his neck. And Isaiah and Hosea, they named their kids crazy names. You get the feeling that they would do, you know, just anything. They would resort to anything to get their message across. But the people weren't listening. In fact, so much so that, that Isaiah basically said, you know, why bother? I'm preaching. Nobody's listening. Why bother? And God came to, to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 30. I'm using a new Bible, by the way, if you notice that. It's not because I needed a new, new international version. This is probably my fourth one that I have. But I did need larger prints. I'm up to giant size. There's only one size larger, like super colossal size. Oh, my land. So Isaiah says to God, why, why bother? And God comes to Isaiah and says, listen, I want you to deliver my message, even if the people aren't listening. The people, they, they, want, they want a nice cuddly God. They want a God who will protect them that, but requires nothing. They want a God that, that ignores sin, not forgives sin. They want a God who gives them everything but requires nothing. That's who these people want. And, and again, that's, Isaiah says, wait a minute, why bother then? And God says, here's the deal. I want you to keep on preaching. I want you to not stop preaching even though they're never going to listen. Just keep on doing it. And this is, here's the response. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 8. And God telling Jeremiah, or, or Isaiah rather, go now, write it on a tablet for them. Inscribe it on a scroll. That for the days to come, it may be an everlasting witness. Write it down, inscribe it on a scroll. It'll be an everlasting witness. For these are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instructions. They say to the seers, see no more visions. They say to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave us this way. Get off this path and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. Yikes. God is saying to Isaiah, these people don't want to listen. But I want you to write it down. I want it to be an everlasting witness. Write it down. Because even though you're speaking the truth, they're not listening to the truth. Does that sound familiar? 
Does any of this sound like it might be remotely possible happening even today? It should. The last letter that, that Paul wrote, the last chapter of the last letter that Paul wrote, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says this, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them great numbers of teachers who say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. If you don't think that's happening, you haven't been paying attention. So it's happening then, it's happening now, and God says to Isaiah, write down these words. Write it down so that future generations, by the way, that's, that's, that's you and me, right? Future generations. Uh, after you're dead and gone, Isaiah, future generations, they're going to read it, and they're going to see it, and they're going to recognize it, and they're going to believe it. So that's what Isaiah did, and that's why we have the Bible, and that's why we have, have the Old Testament prophets, and wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Pastor, why in the world are you telling us this? This is the first Sunday of Advent. Aren't you supposed to tell us, you know, don't eat too much fruitcake, and don't spend too much money, and, and you know, whatever else Christmas message you want to uh, say? What's the deal? Remember our song, Christmas Playlist, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Even as the people were having nothing to do with God Almighty... And even as prophet after prophet were coming and saying, saying, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. These prophets were also saying, but a champion is coming. Hold on. The Messiah is coming. O come, O come, Emmanuel. The Old Testament books, written by a number of different authors, written over the course of several centuries speak of this one, this holy one, the Messiah that is coming. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And, they, they, you know, Isaiah, Isaiah mentions how, how he would be born of a virgin, and Micah talks about how he'd be born in, in Bethlehem, and, and there's prophecies that talk about healings and miracles, and, and even one, one reference to, to crucifixion, when the guy who wrote that there was going to be a crucifixion, that wasn't even a mode of execution yet, and yet he's writing about and hinting toward this crucified one. Isaiah talks about Jesus being a, a man of sorrows. We, we read that during the season of Lent in, in Isaiah 53. All these prophets, in fact, 300 prophecies, all pointing to one person. 300 prophecies. A mathematician did the, the, tried to decipher what it would take for one person to fulfill 60, not all 300, just 60 of the prophecies. And the number he came up with, it was one out of, and I don't even know the number, I don't even know how to describe the number. It was the number one followed by 157 zeros. That's the odds. And that's only 60, not 300 of those prophecies. And so the prophets, for the most part, in the Old Testament, were writing to a cynical people, a hopeless people, a dark, it was dark and troubled time. They had turned their back on God again and again and again. And the prophets used to came and say, listen, what are you, what are you, what are you? But you would think that God would say, all right. I've had enough with you. I'm done with you. But he doesn't. In fact, he, the prophets then urge them, just hold on. One is coming, the champion is coming. Hold on, the Messiah is coming. O come, O come, Emmanuel. In the midst of that darkness and, dis and misery and gloom, hope was coming is what they were saying so the old testament prophets were both the 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 word of of well woe to you but also the word of encouragement fear not the one is coming that's the message of christmas you see the message of christmas doesn't begin in a manger with 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 baby and stars in the air and, and angels singing it begins with with broken promises and bad choices and messed up lives 
See, the prophets were writing and they were speaking to this one that was coming to people who were living in, the, for the most part, in exile. Jerusalem was in ruins. The temple had been destroyed. And God sent messenger after messenger and people weren't listening. 300 prophecies, but the people weren't listening. But then as Paul describes, I have to read this every Advent season in Galatians chapter 4, but when... The set time had fully come. God sent forth his son, born of a woman. I like the way the New King James Version, when the fullness of time had come, in the exact perfect time, when the world needed Jesus most, Jesus came, peace came, hope came. When the fullness of time had come, these prophets writing hundreds of years before Jesus to a people that didn't want to listen, to a people who were living in gloom and despair, They heard that the one is coming. Just hold on. The one is coming. Until we get, you know, Isaiah's famous uh, passage in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Anybody here need a Wonderful Counselor today? Mighty God. Anybody here need... God to work mightily in your life today? Everlasting Father. Anybody here just need the the loving arms of the Father to wrap around you in your circumstance? Prince of Peace. Anybody here need peace? See, the, the more things change, the more they say the same. And just as in the Old Testament, these prophets were writing to people who were not listening and who were so messed up. Look around. Our world needs Jesus. You, you, there is so much hope and hopelessness and discouragement. Part of that is brought on by our pandemic that we've been dealing with. And by now you think, oh, I thought it'd be done by now. And they say, you know, there's this new variant. Oh, not another one. And suicides are up. And drug overdoses are up. And trouble is in the air. And just as the Old Testament folks needed to hear the words from the prophet, O come, O come, Emmanuel. I think we need to hear it. But here's the good news. See, they were hearing it. Those, those folks in the Old Testament who weren't listening, prophets were speaking, and they were saying, saying, one is coming, one is coming, one is coming. They were having to wait 400, 600, 800 years, right? They were writing centuries before Jesus. Here's the good news. Jesus has come. You're not alone. When you pray... Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. You're not saying, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, in 400 years, I'll be dead and gone. No, you're praying, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, I need you now. And the good news is, he is here. That's the good news of Christmas. He has come. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, he has come. He has come. In, in our home group the other, other week, the week before Thanksgiving, so because it was the week before Thanksgiving, to kind of add a Thanksgiving theme, I guess. And I, and I read for our group from Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. 
And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. I asked our folks who had gathered, I said, can you think of a time in your life when your world was shaken? When the foundations were shaken? And then how God came like a consuming fire and was there and helped you and, 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 and was there for you. Can you think of that time? And, and people talked of different experiences in their life when their world was rocked. And one lady described how, how you know, when she was young, her, 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 her father died unexpectedly. The world was shaken, but how God came in the midst of that. And my own dear sweet Carla, she spoke up. And reminded uh, uh, our group of 14 years ago, almost 14 years ago, when she got to work one one December morning, December 20th, 2007. And she got to work and they said, the hospital has been calling for you. You you, you don't have your phone. And, you know, shocker, she forgot her phone. And so they told her that, that the hospital had been calling, referring to me, that I had been taken into the hospital. And that's really all she knew. And so she told our group how she got in her car and she started driving to Shawnee Mission Hospital. And she simply prayed, you know, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen when I get to that hospital. And I don't know what they're going to say. And so you're going you're gonna to have to help me and you're going to have to give me a calmness and you're going to have to be there for me because I don't know what's, what's awaiting me. So she gets to the hospital and the doctor tells her, Shawnee Mission Hospital, the doctor in the emergency room, says they're transferring me to another hospital, St. Luke's Hospital in Kansas City, and that I had had a brain aneurysm. Now, Carla's not a medical person. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't know. And she said, well, okay. Um, do I need to call his family? And the doctor said, yeah, we don't know if he's going to survive. Yeah, you need to call his family. And she's like, oh, I guess this is serious. But her mind immediately went back to that prayer. God, you're going to have to help me. You're going to have to bring me calmness. You're going to have to be near me. Maybe you need to pray that prayer, O come, O come, Emmanuel, in your circumstances. Maybe there's things going on in your life right now where you're having to say, O come, O come, Emmanuel. There's stuff going on in my family. There's stuff going on in my marriage. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Things happening in school or at work. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. There's there's too much trouble. It seems like everywhere. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Here's what I've learned in our social media age no matter how many smiling faces you see on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or Snapchat or TikTok or I don't know whatever all the ones are everybody's got something they may smile and look great but everybody everybody's got something I was just with my family we my siblings and I have never ever gotten together um, just like as a vacation and so a few weeks ago we did we all met in Florida and we spent, I preached on a Sunday afternoon and we flew out Sunday afternoon and came back on that Friday. Um, and so we spent, you know, four or five days together, same house. We were right on, on the ocean. It was beautiful. 
and and we just kind of hung out. All my 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 siblings and their spouses are all Christians. All of my parents' grandchildren, except one, would would uh, confess to being a follower of Jesus Christ. And but you know when you're hanging out for five days, and even though we talk, you know, from time to time and this and that, when you're with each other for five days, then you know you really talk, right? And even though all of them are following Jesus, everybody's got something. Some of it was health issues. You know, some of the grandkids maybe have some marriage stuff stuff going on. There's job switches and worries. Everybody's got something. And, and the thing where I think the enemy gets us is, he, is he, he makes us think somehow that A, we're the only one dealing with troubles. We're not. And B, that we have to handle those troubles all on our own. We don't. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 11? I know you do, but I'm going to read it for you again. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Anybody need rest this day? With so much craziness going on around us, anybody need rest? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel.